You, you probably heard last Sunday at 11 o'clock, just as we were kind of starting off uh, church, a, a little baby was left on a doorstep up in Sturt Circle. And um, it was all okay. It was very newborn, but it was wrapped up and it was taken up to the hospital and they named it named her Sunday April. I was up there during the week and I noticed in the chapel in the prayer book there were some prayers for her. You might have been following it in the newspapers. It's a, it's a very sad thing, isn't it? Terrible for a little baby. Um, to be abandoned. Because babies, they are so helpless, they're so dependent on other people. Um, they need feeding, they need changing, they need loving. They can't do anything by themselves. And look, if you're a parent, you'll know that one of the things that you discover when you become a parent is suddenly there's this other person in your life and you thought it took a lot of time up being married. Well, when you have a child, there's this person who needs your attention 24 hours a day especially when they're newborn. Today we're seeing that that is a little bit what it's like when it comes to us and God. In terms of spiritually, we need to be cared for, especially when we're starting out as Christians. Now last week we were thinking about John 20 and there was an invitation there to come and believe in Jesus and have eternal life. Jesus was inviting people to follow him. But what then? What happens after you start out following Jesus? Becoming a Christian is in many ways like starting your life all over again. There's so much to learn and get to know God. And in today's passage, we see Jesus making sure that the people who decide to follow him will be cared for and will be taught. And the way he does that, well, footy teams have coaches, children have parents. In the church, there will be pastors or shepherds people who are there to look after God's people and that is what Jesus is encouraging Peter here to do in John 21. He's, if you like, the first pastor, the first shepherd of God's church. Now, John 21, it just starts with Jesus having breakfast with some of his disciples. Uh, Peter and six of Jesus' disciples have gone fishing and you remember from last week, this is not long after Jesus died. He's come back to life again. The disciples are still trying to work it out. They're coming to terms with it. But life goes on, you've got to eat, and the disciples are out fishing, but they haven't caught a fish all night. Jesus turns up and he says, have you caught any fish, boys? And um, the word there, which in your Bibles is friends, it's not really friends, it's actually the word for little kids. Jesus is having a go at them, and the word for fish is just the word for food. He's basically saying, look boys, you got anything to eat? Meanwhile, he's got a fish there cooking on the shore, He's having a bit of a go at them. Boys, got anything to eat? And they say, kind of short, blunt reply, no. And Jesus says, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you'll catch some fish. Now, for whatever reason, because they don't know who he is yet, and I'm guessing if you're a Galilee local fisherman and some guy's on the shore telling you what to do, uh, you're not going to do what he says, but they do. Uh, maybe... They have an inkling that this might be Jesus because Jesus pulled this stunt earlier on. He, when he first called them, he said, throw your um, net on the other side of the boat. Anyway, verse 6, they do it and they get so many fish they can't lift up the net. John, who last week we saw clicked uh, in working out that Jesus had rose from the dead, this week he clicks that this is Jesus. And um, so straight away he works out this isn't just some local on the shore, this is Jesus. And Peter, in verse 7, you'll read there, jumps up, he puts his clothes on because he's been fishing in his speedos or whatever had back then. It just says that he was stripped down for fishing. So just to look decent, he puts his garment on. 
Funny thing to do before you jump in the water, but he does that, jumps in the water and swims out to Jesus. Meanwhile, the other six guys in the boat, one rower down, um, drag the fish into shore. Jesus already has some fish cooking there on the shore on the barbie and they sit down and they have breakfast together. After breakfast, they have a bit of a chat. And as we've been reading through John's Gospel, we've been doing it over a couple of years on and off now, one thing that we've noticed is Jesus, whenever he does a miracle or a sign, he always does it to prepare his disciples for something that he's going to teach them. And here it's the same. He's just fed his disciples some fish and helped them catch some fish. And the discussion they have over breakfast, surprise, surprise, is all about feeding and that his disciples need to do some feeding too. So up to point two on your outline, if you're following along on the inside of your bulletins there, where Jesus talks about feeding my sheep. Verse 15 there. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then like a skipping CD, the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times Jesus tells Peter to feed his sheep. Uh, By feeding his sheep, Jesus is talking about his followers, the church. This is where we get the word pastor from. Uh, Some people call their people in their church ministers. Some call them pastors. Pastor, pastoral, it comes from the word for shepherd, someone who looks after sheep. Jesus is not saying, Peter, you're the boss, you're the kingpin, you're going to rule over the church. Jesus is saying, Peter, you need to care for the people who I entrust to you. Feed them, teach them, look after them. And ever since Peter, that's what leaders in the church are meant to be. They're meant to be people who care for the church, people who feed or teach God's people. And as we read on, we find the number one qualification for someone who's going to be a pastor, and we've seen it three times, is that you've got to love Jesus. And Jesus here wants to make sure that Peter knows that. Look at verse 15. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? In other words, Peter, do you love me more than your fishing nets? Do you love me more than the fish you catch? Do you love me more than these disciples that we're having breakfast with? Do you love me more than anything? Because that is what I want in someone who is going to be a shepherd, a pastor. And Peter says the right answer. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now you think that might be enough, but Jesus asks Peter again. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And you might think that would be enough. But Jesus asks Peter a third time. The third time he said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Now, that word for hurt there, um, that only has come up once in the whole of John's Gospel before, right back in chapter 16 where Jesus was talking about that he would die and his disciples would be really deeply grieved. In other words, Peter's not just a bit put out that Jesus has asked him three times. He is really upset. Basically, Jesus has just kind of pushed Peter 
and pushed him. He's tri- Peter is this beefy, tough fisherman, and Jesus has pushed him till he's broken down and cried. Now, what's going on there? Kind of sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? What's going on is that only a few weeks earlier, Peter was standing around a fire like he is now. Jesus was in the distance. It was early in the morning like they are now. And back then, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. He was ashamed to be one of his followers. After promising that he'd follow Jesus and be ready to die with Jesus, he chickens out when this little slave girl says, you know Jesus, don't you? And he denied it. Back in John 18, it said this, you're not one of his disciples, are you? A girl at the door asked Peter. Peter replied, I'm not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood round a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter was also standing with them, warming himself at the fire. As Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You're not one of his followers, are you? He denied it, saying, I'm not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with Jesus in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a cock began to crow. Now, I don't know if you've ever denied someone or betrayed them, but there's nothing harder than later on being confronted by them and having to look at them in the eye, knowing whatever it was bad that you said about them. That's what's happening here. Jesus is looking at Peter, who's just denied him, and he's saying to Peter, do you really love me? And a simple smile, you know that I love you kind of thing, is not going to cut it with Jesus. Jesus asked Peter once, Jesus asked Peter twice. He asks him a third time and then he gets the real answer that he wants. Not that the words is any different, but this time Peter means it. There's some emotion to this big beefy fisherman. Yes, Jesus, I've denied you, I've failed you, I've broken my promise, but you know that I love you. And Jesus does know it. He just wants to hear it from Peter and he wants Peter to mean it. And he wants to be straight with Peter about it. He doesn't want to just kind of wash over what's happened with Peter when he denied him. He wants to be straight. Peter, yes, this has happened, but I know that you love me. So lesson one, if you want to encourage other Christians, you've got to, deeply at the centre of who you are, love Jesus. Not just kind of mouth the words, not just be here at church and sing along with the songs. You've got to love Jesus. Now, is that you? Do you, from your heart, love Jesus? Or do you just kind of come along here as some kind of an act, trying to be some kind of a religious person? Because Jesus will see through that. He knows if you love him or not. You might be able to fool your friends, you might be able to fool your wife, but you can't fool Jesus. People who love Jesus, people who want to serve God's people will love Jesus. Secondly, people who love Jesus will follow Jesus. Anywhere, verse 18, this is Jesus talking to Peter. I tell you the truth, Peter. When you were younger, you dressed yourself. You went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. I think um, it's a little bit cryptic, but Jesus, when he's talking about stretching out your hands, is talking about the way that Peter will die because when Peter dies, he's actually crucified like Jesus was. Um, 
Jesus actually indicates that. Verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to to Peter, after he's explained what's going to happen to Peter, follow me. In other words, Jesus is saying to Peter, following me, it's not going to be easy. It actually means that you will die like I did, but I want you to do it. So being a shepherd is not always, of God's people, is not always going to be an easy thing to do. I remember once we were staying on a farm down near Parks and um, the guy who we were staying there wanted to get my help to pull a lamb out of the dam. It was kind of a dried up dam. It had all this mud around it. A sheep had gone down, got stuck into it, couldn't get out, soaking wet, and it took two of us to lift the lamb out. So being a shepherd, it's not always convenient. It sometimes means getting your hands dirty. But being a bit wet and a bit muddy is nothing compared to what Jesus did for us. Because that passage that we read earlier from 1 John says that Jesus died on a cross to make it possible for us to be friends with God. Jesus sacrificed his life as the price to be paid for us to be made right with God. And after doing that, Jesus says, if someone's going to be a shepherd of his people, then they need to have that kind of dedication to him. And Peter is ready to do that. Peter is ready to give his life for Jesus. Although, he does seem a little bit concerned about whether he's the only one who's going to be called on to do this. He doesn't want to be getting a bad deal. So verse 20, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. So this is uh, little young John. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? In other words, Peter's ready to follow Jesus and die or whatever, but he doesn't want to be the only one. He wants to make sure some of the other disciples are going to get a bit of a tough call too. He looks back, he sees John, and he wants to make sure that John's not going to get a better deal. So he says to Jesus, Jesus, what's going to happen to John? Is he going to get led along and killed as well? Or am I the only one? Now, Jesus' reply is a little bit blunt. There's a little bit of humor in it. Uh, He basically says to Peter, Jesus says, it's none of your business, Peter, what I do with John. You follow me. Don't worry about him. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive till I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Now, there's a bit of humor in the reply. It's a bit of a joke, and not everyone gets the joke. It's like saying, it's like Jesus saying, look, Peter, if I want John to win lotto, what's that to you? But Jesus is not actually saying that's what will happen. He's just saying, if that's what I want, what's it to you? It's a joke. He's kind of having a go at Peter, but the others don't get it. Because 23, it says, because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? It's a bit like something out of Monty Python where you know they're, they're kind of saying something Jesus said and getting it all wrong. Jesus is having a go at Peter saying, look, if I want John to be alive till I die or not, that's none of your business. Worry about yourself. Don't compare yourself with others, Peter. Don't keep looking over your shoulder to see who else is following me or might be getting a better deal. Worry about yourself. Now, I reckon that's not easy to do. Our natural thing is to compare ourselves to other people, isn't it? It's easy to look around and see what's happening to other people who are getting a better deal than us and thinking to God, why are they getting better than me when I kind of am trying to serve you? It's one thing to be 
dealt a tough hand by God, but we can accept that. But it's another thing to watch other people get something better. Jesus says, don't worry about what other people do or don't have. Don't worry about what other people are doing or not doing or getting or not getting in life. Worry about yourself. Do you love Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Are you willing to give up everything to follow Jesus? When um, babies are born, um, they give the mums these little packs, you know, they've got um, breast pads in them, they've got uh, all the other kind of stuff that you need when you have a new baby, samples of milk and all stuff. And, you know, I always used to feel a bit ripped off that the father's never got a little pack. Anyway, when Laura was born, this is not Emily the latest, this was the one before, Forex gave out dad packs. Look, I don't know what the hospital was doing encouraging the beer company to give out um, 4X packs. They had a voucher for a six-pack and all sorts. But they were really clever because they had a pair of gloves for changing nappies because no dad wants to get his hand dirty. They had a pair of earplugs to put in at night. I would bring them, but I've used them. They had a second set of stickers, and there's these little things like I changed my first nappy or um, I bathed the baby or don't wake me, I haven't slept in days. I thought it was a brilliant little marketing thing. It's kind of tapping into that idea of, look, it's tough being a dad. You don't get any sleep. The point is, being a parent is hard work. Paul and Nicky will be able to testify to that. It's not easy. Babies need caring for. But when you do it, it's not a burden because you do it out of love. It's a great privilege to put in so much time and effort looking after a child. And it is the same caring for God's people. It's not always easy to talk to people about Jesus, especially if they're not followers of Jesus. They might be a bit resistant to it. It's not always convenient to care for other people and look out for them. It's hard work at times. For Peter, it actually meant being killed for it, for taking a stand for Jesus. But it's worth it. It's in fact a great privilege. And when Peter gets a little bit older and he's been doing this for a while, he writes a letter to other Christians. It's called. It's in the Bible a little bit later on, 1 Peter. And this is what he says in 1 Peter 5. You listen to, to Peter as he writes. He's had a bit of a tough time being a leader in God's church. But when you listen, it's just all joy. There's not even a hint of regret for all that he's given up. Peter says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also share in the glory that is to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. See, Peter here sees that it's a great privilege to be able to help and encourage God's people. And that's what this passage is about. But I don't think it's just for pastors, is it? See, firstly, the first question, if you're here this morning, the first question is, have you even started out following Jesus? Do you know God? Do you love God? Do you know the forgiveness that you can have through Jesus? Have you started out following Jesus? And if you haven't, We've actually got some copies of John's Gospel and some others up the back. I'll, 
I'll pop them out so you might want to grab one on the way home. I suggest you just pick it up, take it home and read it open-mindedly as I challenged people about last week. Read it and weigh it up. Secondly, if you are a Christian, if you have started out following Jesus, are you being fed and cared for? Are you going to church? Are you part of a church family where you can learn more about God and get to know him better? And and not just on a Sunday, are you meeting up with other Christians perhaps who are older than you, who can help you out and care for you? And thirdly, are you caring for other people, perhaps people who are younger as Christians? In your family at home, are you reading the Bible with your children? Are you bringing your children up to know Jesus? When you come to church, are you looking out for other people or are you just kind of here for what you can get to soak it in? At home during the week, are you praying for other people? Do you read the Bible and encourage other people during the week? Are you worried about whether other people are getting a better deal than you? Or are you, like Jesus and like Peter, trying to do what's best for other people, trusting that God knows best whatever hand he deals you? And finally, do you love Jesus? Because you can't teach what you don't know for yourself. You can't pass on to other people what you don't have yourself. We don't want to do stuff here because we have to. We don't want to do stuff here because we're obligated. We do it because we want to. We do it because we love Jesus. So do you love Jesus? And do you come to church and do all that stuff because of your love for Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we have all sorts of examples of um, love in our lives, good friendship from people around us, friends and family who love us, um, people at church. But we know that um, the biggest love of all is the love that you have for us. This is love not that we loved you, but that you loved us and sent your son Jesus to die for us. So We thank you for that and we pray that you might open our minds and hearts to see how great the love that you have for us is, so that in response to that, we might love you. And Father, we pray that as we grow to love you, in response to that, we might love each other and serve each other. We pray for people here this morning who uh, haven't yet come to know you and come to follow Jesus. We pray that um, they might go home from here and pick up a Bible and start to read it and get to know a little bit more about Jesus. We thank you for the message that we've had this morning from John. And we pray that like Jesus, um, we might be filled with love. Like Peter, we might be really willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. Amen.